Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 167. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games. As you can probably tell by the sound of my voice, microphone situation has not been <laughs> has not been resolved yet. So um, I, I did reach out to Blue Yeti about the mic, and it's taken a, a bit longer than I thought it would. Uh, admittedly, the, the at least you know the the reason why they're saying it is is uh, due to coronavirus. It's slowed down their their RMA timeline and things like that. So so they said it might be about a month till I get a, a replacement microphone. But I'm still just trying to get through the troubleshooting process, and that seems to be taking a very long time for them to respond. Uh, I think it took like four or five days for them to to respond to my initial uh, request. So that, it's a little slow, but but we'll get there. I have this microphone for now, and honestly, I'm I'm taking things kind of slow right now. So I don't want to just like run into creating uh, uh, new content with with uh, a l- lesser quality microphone or something. So so yeah. But otherwise, I'm here today again. <laughs> Uh, I've been playing some video games lately. Uh, most importantly, you know, as I've been playing over the last uh, few weeks now, I finally finished up Shining Resonance Refrain, kind of. Uh, I went ahead and, and did the final battle and everything, got the credits. Um, but one thing that that game relies heavily on, if you've been listening to the last you know, few episodes, is is the dating aspect of the game. And when it comes to the dating aspect of the game, that t- actually takes quite a bit of time. Um, you could you could definitely skip it if you wanted to, but I I mean I don't know. That's where you get all the character development, right? Um, so I basically dated everyone. I think in total there's eight characters if you're playing ref- refrain mode. Um, and and so I spent a lot of time doing that in the game, and then come to find out, in order to kind of finish off each of those arcs, you have to. Uh, basically choose a person at the end of the game and say i want to talk to you last and it's basically just a quick dialogue like let's let's beat the boss together me and you buddy yep yep pat on the shoulder (laughs) um uh and then that basically determines who you get like an epilogue scene with after the uh the credits so you know it's it's accessible in the sense that you you can just go back to the before the boss fight and then choose a new person and you can you can do the next ending that way, so you just have to fight the boss again. But I I'm and I don't know if this is my fault or or if I'm just missing something. But the last half of that game, like the enemy levels started to scale pretty significantly in a way that it, it kind of ended up being that I kind of had to I don't know if cheese my ways to the boss fights the right the right word, but I relied really heavily on uh, this whole dragon mechanic kind of thing where you can transform into a dragon and and do significantly more damage than than you normally would and there's not really well early on there's like some limitations on it but but as you get further in the game the limitations kind of release and so it's really just comes down to as long as the character who can transforms into the dragon uh has mp he can he can be in his dragon form and then as as he's in that form his mp drains so so I can't come to rely pretty heavily on that, but there's some boss fights where being in the dragon form actually is kind of um, counterproductive because it, it it makes it a lot easier to hit him. So if a if a boss has like pretty large ranged attacks, 
uh, it can it can more easily hit the dragon. So for the final final encounter, uh, I basically just like ran around with another ranged character and and shot at the boss nonstop. So so it felt like I was just kind of cheesing my ways through the the boss fights towards the end of the game, and and I was like thirty levels below the bosses by the end. But it's one of those things where it's like I could understand. Like, I don't know if it's just a pacing issue or, or what. I, I would expect that issue if, say, I was running past all the encounters. And there's definitely times where, where you know, if if it didn't make a lot of sense to fight, like, a particular group of, like, high-armored enemies while I was using, like, mostly physical attackers, I would just kind of avoid them. Um, but generally, I went ahead and fought kind of everything in that game uh, as I was going down the path. So I'm not sure how I fell so far behind on levels, other than there there are these like dungeons that you can do random uh, fights through. And the game, during the actual main game, the game never really pushes you to do these dungeons. So it's a little strange if they are relying on you, on the assumption that you're doing a bunch of these dungeons on the side. Um, so yeah, I'm not really sure how that turned out um the way it was so it took me a while to get to the last boss so i decided for now i'm going to focus on some of the end game content because there are some additional quests that open up uh once you actually finish the game you don't go into like a new game plus mode you actually go into like a um this weird state world and i'm actually like really happy that they did it this way you kind of end up in this world world weird world where it's both just before the final battle and then also after the final battle so so depending on what quests you're you're interacting with and things like that um the dialogue will be kind of different and and when you go to the actual area right before the final battle like aesthetically it looks like everything's kind of done but once you actually walk into the portal to go fight the boss it becomes the final boss again so it's kind of this weird world where the the timeline doesn't make a lot of sense but i'm actually really happy with that because i think one of the more annoying things with jrpgs is when they stick way too you know closely to like the lore of where you're at at that point i guess like one of the biggest problems with xenoblade chronicles is a bunch of areas in that game get destroyed and you can't go back to them so there's some side quests that you literally can't do after certain points of the game because the characters in that area are assumed to be dead <laughs> um, and and I kind of wish more more JRPGs in particular would just kind of put you in this world world state where it's like it doesn't really matter when things are happening and what what's happening dialogue wise but they just let you do the quest content um, I think I generally prefer that and I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to see Shining Resonance uh, is doing that so basically what I have now left is um when after you choose a character you date at the end uh, i picked sonia for the first first time went through uh you can you can go back and refight the boss with another character as your your quote you know chosen one i guess and then you get a different ending with that and then the four main girls have uh special epilogue quests afterwards so once you get their ending you can go do a, a very short like it's like one one dungeon and then like four cutscenes that you get with each one, I think, and and you can kind of do their their storyline um, and kind of get a a post scene that kind of uh, lets you do stuff after they've already kind of confessed their love to each other and stuff, which I actually kind of like that that a bit too. Like I like the, the content is actually set after the game rather than like all being like 
before the boss fight happens or something. So, so yeah, I like that. And then there's uh, eight additional quests that are just in there. And then, uh, and then I think the four of the characters, the two refrain characters, and then the two guys are keep getting uh, the, the short end of the stick. Uh, I think they just get a ending cutscene, but they don't get like a quest, a follow up quest line afterwards. So, which is the same because I think Agnum is like my my number one pick. Maybe <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't really decide between Sonia Agnum at the end, but I ended up going with Sonia because she's kind of she seems like the most like. <laughs> like supposed to be the main love interest kind of thing out of all the characters uh, in terms of like the main main girl so I, I went ahead and focused on her and I, I also like Sonya a lot too as a character she's she's generally fun I'm not a huge fan of uh Kirika or whatever her name is the elf lady she's just too much of the prim and proper type for me <laughs> so so yeah but yeah it was a good time it was fun uh I got I'm gonna spend a little bit more time with it to kind of finish up the rest of this and then maybe we'll do like a, a brief chat about it where we just kind of sum up um, my or I just kind of sum up my my final feelings on the game kind of thing. Because I know I've, literally it's been about a year since I started this game. So so it'd be good to just kind of sum up my thoughts <laughs> rather than have it spread across like six different podcasts over the course of 12 months. Um, this weekend I already also did a couple other things too. Uh, I went to Kama Vcat, which is basically the um the VR chat version of of Comicet that they're doing since there's no actual Comicet uh, right now due to the corona due to coronavirus. But it's also available on some other applications too, like Cluster, which I, I couldn't get Cluster working. I wanted to kind of try it out to see what it was. Um, but yeah, basically it was just you kind of walking around looking at uh, these little sample books. You could pick up the books in VR chat, kind of flip through about, you know, three or four pages with some f- sample art, sample text. And then there's like these big red buttons that say info beside them. So if you clicked on them, uh, it would open up a web browser, which would take you to a uh, artist page, which kind of links to their, their website, their booth, uh, booth being the website where you can kind of buy uh, Dogen goods online. Um, and also links to their Twitter and things like that. So I went ahead and uh, I went once with a friend, but the problem with with me and like quote unquote shopping in this case, but like kind of looking at things like that, where you just kind of look flipping through the books and st- things like that, um, I I have a really hard time paying attention to um, uh, stuff when there's like somebody there talking to me. So I really couldn't go through and look at it like I wanted to. It's like it was similar to when I was on my my trip in Japan, where it's like whenever I went with somebody to like Akihabara or some kind of store, like. 70% of my focus is on them and like 30% of my focus is on what I'm actually looking at. So, so it's really hard for me to, to actually like, <laughs> like pay attention to what I'm looking at and like make purchasing decisions and things like that. So I, so I went, so I went with my friend for like 30 minutes, uh, one night and then, and then I went back and flipped through the stuff all on my own and I was there for like three hours <laughs> going through all that. Um, I think it's all offline now, or if it's, I think the uh, event is quote you know, officially over. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if you can still access it in some way. I think people have been doing archives of like the, um, previous like VR, uh, I don't know if comic, like there's like these VR convention things they do in, in VR chat as well. That's more geared towards stuff in VR chat kind of thing, like models you can purchase and, and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it, it was a fun thing. I, I tried to get that Poke Park uh, thing working, but that one I think is exclusively on cluster. So because I can't get cluster to launch properly, uh, then I can't actually look at that Poke Park thing. So I, I don't know if it's a, a regional issue, an issue with my hardware, or if something about the install is just not playing nice with, 
whatever my you know, Windows setup is. So I'm not sure how much I'm going to fight to try to get that Pokemon amusement park thing working, but I, I would be curious in, in looking at it if I get the chance. This weekend, I also kind of dumped some time into uh, Final Fantasy XI. I, I, you know, I did that content like a week or two ago, and I keep logging into Final Fantasy XI, but mostly just like check my auction house. There's also like a daily roll you can do to like get a random item that day. Um, so it was basically seeing what what sold, what I could get, and also playing. Uh, I forget what it's called, like Lady Luck or something like that. It's like this dumb mini game down in Norg, which is like this way out of the place town. <laughs> where you can just go uh, roll a dice and then you get a chance at warning some money. And I, I, I like playing that game because it's not worth your time or effort. But if you just, it's it's always fun when you get it. I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Anyways, so so I've just been logging in doing that. And so I was like, I'm going to actually do something. So I, I went and decided that I want to do uh, Dynamis Sandoria, which is like really old endgame content. Um, it's, it's one of the earliest like like updates i can remember reading about the game after i started playing because um i remember they just showed like uh screenshots for dynamis and you know i was like 13 or 14 and and you could see like these like big stone looking uh orcs and things like that that they had in those areas and i don't know for some reason that that particular screenshot like stood out in my brain <laughs> maybe because i just started so like the idea of end game content was like such a weird thing to me at the time but when i was playing final fantasy 11 for years i never did dynamis or if i did jump into it i never was in there for any significant amount of time um so so it was i basically went in there on my own and and at this point the the content is like way out of date and and how they kind of rebalanced final fantasy 11 made that content very easy uh it used to be like it had like an hour long time limit and then you could kind of get extra uh time extensions but as far as i can tell the uh time limit's not there anymore and you can basically do the content by yourself or at least with trusts um, so I went in there and basically all it is is that you farm uh, five different items and then once you get those five items you can go to different points on the map to spawn uh, bosses who then give you another item and then once you kill all five bosses you can take those five items to the final boss uh, or like a final area and then you could spawn the final boss that way and um, it it wasn't particularly challenging honestly uh you know being level 99 with level 99 trusts so so it was just kind of like a a fun thing to kind of go around smack a bunch of stuff um and and kind of do this like short little objective i mean the thing was designed to be completable like within an hour to two hours so so it it's pretty compact overall and and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had some fun and there's not really a lot of story tied to it as far as I can tell. There was like a, a shortcut scene when you when you went in that relates specifically to uh, the uh, original Final Fantasy XI story um, with the expedition crew that went up to um, the, the Shadow Lord's Keep basically. Uh, but, but it was a very minor dialogue as far as I could tell. And, and basically the, the whole thing with this is that you, you go to the main town. So I guess one other thing I should specify is that like these are are the main towns of the game. They're basically alternate versions of those towns where they're filled with monsters instead. So it's 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 a bit different um, than than the usual content. Um, and so you do each of those for the main three cities, and then and then I think there's some additional ones you do after that. I think it's like two or three more, and then I think that goes on to to finally you do like a dynamis. Um, uh, I don't know if 
I don't think you do the Shadow Lord's Keep, but I think you do like the area outside of it. I can't remember for sure, but but there's kind of like a path through this. So I might um, spend more time with this just as like a fun thing to do while I'm doing something else in the background kind of thing. It's it's a fun little grindy thing. It's not too hard to do, and there's like a sense of progression to it. And and yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I had, I, I had fun with it. So I, I think I'll... I'll think about continuing to go with that. I would not be surprised if I don't do any more of it either, though. One other thing I wanted to kind of start up was I have been trying to look for a game that would be more of a short-term experience that I kind of log into every day. That's not a mobile game. I don't want to play any mobile games, please and thank you. <laughs> um, uh, and so part of that I tried to do with uh, Love Plus on the on the DS. If you don't know, um, because uh, DS capture cards are expensive and, 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 and hard to get right now because nobody, I don't think anybody's making DS capture cards and... The one person I'm aware of who does does not make many of them at all. Um, so so I use a Wii U um, that has a DS emulator, the official Nintendo DS emulator. But those DS emulators are like fine-tuned for particular games. So in the case of the one I'm using, it's like for New Super Mario Brothers. Um, but then you basically can put Nintendo DS ROMs in them. And depending on the game, it will run better or worse. Um, in some cases, like The Wizard of Oz, Beyond the Olympic Road, the game just straight up crashes at the start. Uh, and in the case of um, Tales of the Tempest, as far as I could tell, there was no issues when we played that game. So like it played basically perfectly. Um, but the case of Love Plus is kind of a weird in between because initially it looks fine. Uh, as you're playing through it, but I, I ran into some problems where basically uh, sometimes when the game needed to use the microphone, it it didn't know what to do, so it'd either hard crash or like soft lock, and and so after I ran into enough problems where I was like, this probably isn't going to work out where I can play Love Plus reliably on a Wii U, I went ahead and turned my attention to Tomodachi Collection, which if you're familiar with Tomodachi Life. Um, Tomodachi Collection is essentially the original title uh, Tomodachi Life was is, is based off of. So it was on the Nintendo DS, and it didn't get localized for, for a long time, but there was a fan translation released, I think, around the time <laughs> Tomodachi Life came out, actually. Um, and, and the games are incredibly similar once you start playing them. Um, you know, obviously Tomodachi Life has some improvements, but but they, they they are largely the same game as far as I can tell, honestly. Um, but it's still fun to poke around. I mean, Tomodachi Life is something that you just kind of check in on every day. You see what kind of weird things your characters are up to and then attend to their needs if they're hungry, if they want you to scratch their back or whatever. It's it's like a like a silly little, little Tamagotchi thing. Um, so I, I started making some characters in there, just kind of checking in with them, you know, every few hours or so. Uh, I haven't checked in with him today. I maybe should do that before I go to bed. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a fun little thing to to kind of mess around with. That, that whole series is is kind of a weird thing. If you go look at the um, the GDC conference, that was like the history of the Mies, particularly. Uh, th- there's a lot of information about Tomodachi Collection that is that is in that GDC conference that you can kind of uh go and and pull about you know how tomodachi collection came to be and the 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 very lengthy history it has i think it goes all the way back to like the famicom of when they're trying to make a game like tomodachi collection and and tomodachi collection was like kind of the final uh final you know realization of what that was so it's a it's a fun little thing and i love the music in it too the um 3DS one I saw recently is like still selling. I think it's still like one of the top 20 sellers on Nintendo 3DS. 
Uh, I've seen they were called, I think maybe it sold like 40,000 units this year or something like that, which for, you know, uh, a game that has was released like seven years ago at this point, that's that's probably not that bad, honestly. Um, <laughs> the original Geist on GameCube, I remember, sold like 30,000 units its launch month. So <laughs> 40,000 units for a seven-year-old game you just have on the marketplace? Cool. Why not? That's a fun thing. In terms of multiplayer gaming, I started playing some Overcooked 2. I played Overcooked 1 a little while ago with my with one of my friends using the remote play function on uh, on PS4. Overcooked 2 just has multiplayer built in natively. You can even do the story mode. It's a little confusing. A lot of the menus in Overcooked 2 are not particularly clear. That, that part of the game is pretty... Eh. Um, but the, the ability to do like a uh, online multiplayer and then also do like local multiplayer, although the people who are doing local multiplayer in an online match need to sign into a PlayStation account either way still. Um, but, but once you like, once you figure out how to actually set up a game, it, it, it's pretty flexible in the type of people who can be playing. Um, before I was just playing overcooked what or in two players with that, with that other person on the remote play, cause only one person can connect in and play remotely. Um, but with four players, that game gets really hectic. <laughs> it's really easy to start like smacking each other around and pushing people off cliffs as you're like desperately trying to dash around and do different things. It's a, a really crazy game. I will say that I, I, you know, I've never played Overcook in person really, but um, Overcooked One and Overcooked Two, I feel like I got that experience that people would always describe about that game, where it's just like you know a bunch of yelling and stuff about like, oh, we take this, oh, somebody go get this, oh god, this is happening, and like trying to organize what people should be doing and signing roles. Um, this is with voice chat, mind you, through uh, Discord. I I don't really use the PlayStation chat functionality. There are like um like in-game menu chat items, but I I've always found those chat things to be pretty useless in most games i could be wrong about that i'd much rather just get a discord group together and and just chat on a on a voice chat kind of thing immediately when i'm playing games online i'm almost always playing with people i know it's pretty rare i'm playing with random people unless it's like the peach Beach splash community because i'm like oh god i need anybody to play this game with me please <laughs> so so yeah and in that multiplayer group we also started up halo 3 odst um, which I'll, I'll probably talk about this a bit more, uh, next week because it sounds like it's a fairly short game. So, so I think we'll get through it pretty quickly. Um, but I really like the vibe of ODST. There, there's some, a lot, I would say a lot of problems with that game structurally, honestly. Um, but what they are trying to do with ODST is very cool. There's like this open world segment and everything where you kind of walk around and it's just like this very moody vibe to that, that environment. And I, and I wish there was just like, a bit more attention to detail to that overworld section because I feel like that's the the one my favorite part of the game and also two the 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 like the the weakest part of the game too. It's like I like what they are trying to do with that overworld section, uh, but it just doesn't really come together so far. So I think we're looking at the chapter listings and we're about halfway through the game, uh, which sounds about right for how long Halo Three was. I also like um, some of the the weapons and stuff that feel pretty different in terms of like the uh, the pistol. Um, the silence pistol uh, is like a really effective, I guess, sniper weapon. It, 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 you can just basically headshot people from across the map and instantly kill uh, mostly grunts. If you're if you're looking at like you know the heavy armor guys, those guys definitely take take a lot more damage. But but a lot of the little characters and stuff, you can you can kind of take them out fairly easily. I will say I don't really see the whole 
um vulnerability aspect that i heard played up about that game about like oh this guy he's not as good as master chief so he can't take as many hits um it is an interesting health mechanic where uh, i don't know if it's even interesting per se but but basically you have a shield it's not really a shield it's like stamina so you have like a stamina which basically acts as your your halo shield and then you have an hp bar under that stamina so you'll get hit a certain amount of times and that won't actually deal damage to you but once you're hit enough it'll then deal damage to your actual health and your actual health needs health packs to recover, but your stamina will heal back like normally as well. So um, it, it definitely feels a lot more like uh, the original Halo in some ways with that. That, but but you still feel very like resistant in that game. So I don't really feel like a peon kind of thing often, which which I remember being a, a big selling point of that game initially. But I definitely prefer that that focus on on the lesser characters. I'm not a big fan of Master Chief. I don't care about John and what what's going on with him and Cortana, to be honest with you. Um, um, so I much prefer these these smaller soldiers who have these shorter bite side stories uh, of the things they're going through. And I think one of the characters in that game, I think his name's Buck, um, he ends up in Halo 5. And, and I was I actually was always pretty curious about the cast of Halo 5. Um, there's like, there's like, I think two different groups. There's the Spartans, which I don't care about them. And then there's this other side that's like, I think just like a military group kind of thing. And I always thought they were kind of interesting. So at some point I wouldn't mind playing through Halo 5 with that other group. Um, but it's such a low priority. I, I, the only reason I'm playing Halo like right now is because this other group wants to. And I've always had a passing interest in Halo ODST specifically. Never really had much of an interest in Halo 3. So, although it is worth noting that um that uh Halo 5 or not 5, <laughs> uh Halo Infinite got delayed uh, uh this week. That was announced. So, so that won't be coming at launch with the Xbox uh Series X, which kind of puts them in a bit of a weird spot. I don't know a ton of exclusives launching alongside the Xbox Series X. Uh the medium I think is or at least within that window, and I'm actually interested in the medium. Uh, but yeah, the, the launch lineup for, for both the Series X and the PlayStation 5 seemed pretty light, um, which, you know, that's pretty normal for, for the launch of a console. So no real big surprises there, but, but you know, I'm sure Microsoft would have loved to have Halo there day one. Uh, but given, you know, the reception that there was at E3 and, you know, also the whole coronavirus thing too... I, I feel like it's maybe not super surprising that it happened. I saw, um, I think US Gamer had put out an article that was talking about how they actually were planning on maybe splitting the multiplayer and campaign, um, but but then they basically said that they they didn't want to do that and just wanted to keep it as a one launch basically um, instead. Uh, but the but the multiplayer is still a free to play aspect of that game, so so you don't have to actually um, you know buy the Halo Infinite multiplayer in terms of like, you know, to actually just play it. That being said, I'm, I mean, all of Microsoft stuff is on Game Pass. So if you're subscribed to Game Pass, you're going to be basically getting Halo Infinite, you know, in that subscription already. So, so you don't have to pay anything on top of that to play Halo if you're already subscribed to Game Pass. So it was a pretty light news week. I guess we just talked about the Halo delayed thing. So we can kind of take that off the table. The only other thing I wanted to talk about this week is I was really surprised to find out that Ninjala uh was celebrating their four million downloads for the for the switch version which i think is pretty cool i was not expecting that game to get the traction it did now you know four million downloads doesn't mean it's necessarily successful if you have a free-to-play game 
Uh, obviously, four million downloads basically means zero dollars on paper, if not negative, because you're you're spending money uh, to to deliver the game. Um, but you know, obviously, there's microtransactions and things like that, or I would at least I would assume so. I have not actually started that game up to to, to see. Um, so that's not to say that they're successful at the moment, but I think that that is a really good sign that they've gotten such a a pretty a pretty significant number of interest in in the game that people are checking it out. Um, that game has a, a fun style to it. It's a little adolescent in some ways. You know, it doesn't quite have that nice balance that like Splatoon has where it's like, yes, it's a very kid-friendly title, but it also has a aesthetic that makes it stand out that doesn't make it kind of Saturday morning cartoonish. Where I think Ninjala definitely leans more towards that 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 more like... Uh, aimed at kids kind of uh, kind of aesthetics to it but that doesn't mean it's not a a, a fun thing and it looks like a neat game i i've only ever watched a couple people play it and it looks fun enough although it moves a little slow um but i'm not necessarily opposed to that so so to follow up on on some of the stuff that's happened on stream uh like i said i believe i said this last week uh quest 64 is pretty much on hold um, due to issues I was having with the, my Nintendo 64, I still haven't sat down to try to figure out what's up with that, but I want to figure that out sooner rather than later. So I'll definitely provide you guys some updates on that when that happened. But, um, if you, if you haven't been following the streams, um, one game that we did end up playing through was Tiny Bullets. And this is a PlayStation 1 kind of 3D action title. Uh, and it has some puzzle elements as well as platforming as well. And it reminds me a lot of, of like a 3D Zelda game in some ways. Does, does it have, it has its own distinct differences, you know, not only in having platforming, but also like the main character's weapon is like a slingshot rather than like a, you know, a sword or anything like that. So you have to actually sit there and like, you know, try to put distance between yourself and the enemy. And you also have like a, a third person and a first person slingshot aim. So you can kind of, you know, um, do more of a, a, a quick shot kind of thing in the third person mode, or you can do like a more precise aim in, in, in first person. Uh, and, and the combat I'd say is maybe not great. You can do some weird stuff like ground pound on top of enemies, which is kind of a, a weird thing too. Um, but the combat I would say is not really the focus. A lot of it is really about like exploring the world, exploring the dungeons. You're really just in like one big long dungeon, honestly. And, uh, and you know, solving puzzles. I really feel like, feel like that's the focus um, the, the platforming can be a little, um, a little weird because it, it has like tank like controls. So there's, there's two different camera modes. There's fixed camera modes. And then there's also behind the back camera mode. And you kind of need to switch between both of them. It, it, I think the reason why they probably have both is they never could really find a f- full solution on which one was the best one. Uh, there's definitely parts of the game where you want to have that fixed camera and different parts of the game where you want to have the camera behind you as well. Um, so the tank controls, uh, you know, in the fixed camera environment make a lot of sense. When it's behind the back, it's a little weird to, to do it. And, and you know, it, it just feels a little clunky to, 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 to use. But honestly, I didn't have too much trouble with it. Um, I generally like tank controls and, and seeing a platformer try to, to utilize that. I think was kind of a, I don't know if it's a unique feeling, but it definitely feels different than playing like Super Mario 64 or something like that. And it, it does more than like Ocarina of Time where like all the platforming is basically automated in some ways, or at least, you know, the jumping is automated. There, There is stuff you can do in Ocarina of Time in terms of like, you know, positioning and things like that. Although I don't think the game really asks too much of you in, in that regard when it comes to Ocarina of Time. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was really fun and it seems very accessible overall. I, I got stuck in a couple points. Um, 
but you know if you go look at the long play up on YouTube, uh, you can you can figure out what you need to do in certain areas. Like there's a part early on where um, it's not super clear that you need to ground pound the ground somewhere. Uh, but you can go ahead and once you know go look at the long play. Like oh I just need to like stomp right here and then I can break through the floor essentially. Um, and there there are some like puzzles that are a little more complex um and 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 slightly annoying like this one where you have to do essentially the castlevania bomb transportation thing where you carry a bomb from one area to another but if you get like if you fall or if you you get hit by enemy or run you'll explode um but once you actually figure out what you're doing with that bomb it's usually not that much more challenging to to do it so so yeah it's 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 a fun little thing um and it's also got a, a a good sense of style to it too. It's, it's it kind of honestly comes off as creepy at sometimes. There's like this weird, uh, I don't know if you're like a werewolf vampire thing. Basically, it seems like people get these like sigils on them, and then they end up changing into monsters. And the main character gets the sigil on them at some point. Um, and so you like you just like come across like these <laughs> these like zombie looking uh, bosses from time to time that just look look a pretty creepy. Um, but, but it's overall got a, like a, a nice tone to it. And, and the characters are pretty cute. I like the, the big dude, the gun, I think his name is Quint or something like that. Um, he has like this dragon partner or whatever. So they, they kind of save you from some various scenarios from time to time. So it's a fun little game. I definitely would recommend it if you're looking for like PlayStation one imports, uh, especially very accessible ones. I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen more of it, honestly. So, yeah, I also scanned all of the packaging and put it up on uh, archive.org. So if you want to look at that, uh, you can go look at that there. But what we're streaming right now is The Last Rebellion. Uh, kind of the reason why I chose The Last Rebellion is because I was looking for something that would be a suitable replacement for Quest 64, which, you know, I'm not going to say how I feel about Quest 64 at this time because I haven't played it. But the general feeling around Quest 64 is that it's a very mediocre RPG. Um, so I was like, what's another RPG I know of that's also considered a very mediocre and short RPG? And that's Last Rebellion. And oh, that game is... I'm not going to say Last Rebellion's a bad game. I, I think Last Rebellion is trying to do a lot of things. Um, um, but maybe it, it does not do a good job of implementing them. So it's like, I, I find it really charming in some ways. Uh, because this battle system is this really dumb, like pattern of of like attacks you have to do to like certain body limbs and things like that and it's it's i don't want to say it's complex but like it, there's so many steps in in determining this pattern it, it kind of becomes overwhelming um and there's some parts of the game that like you kind of wish were a little more complex like you have this like whole system where you're switching between two characters but for all intents and purposes they're the exact same character it feels like a gimmick that doesn't really need to be there right now uh but they could have made it like worth it if they like had it so each character had like their own stats um they do you can like assign different spells to each character but there's not a lot of reason to do so they seem like at least as far as i can tell they seem like they both kind of handle the spells the same either way um, and I think you can even just, like, attach all the spells to a single character if you wanted to. Um, but, yeah, the, the dialogue and the cutscenes are a little little uh, uh, budget-feeling. But I, I'm, I think I'm generally enjoying it right now. Um, I might try to set up, like, a, a time-filler game with that thing. Because sometimes you just run out of MP in that game. And there's not a lot of resources, as far as I can tell, in terms of MP like potions and things like that so you just got to stand around and wait for your mp to slowly fill up so we might try to find uh something to do in those moments where we're waiting for mp to to recover so i don't know we'll see it's 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 all right though 
And then finally, last week I talked about the recording like a pickup video. I haven't started editing on that yet. I actually kind of held off uh, because I was full on storage space on my PC and I was actually going to get a, a DAS. So that's essentially like a direct access storage system. So it's basically this like box that sits over here that can hold a bunch of hard drives. You can hold like a little under 60 terabytes worth of data. And and so I went ahead and put a 12 terabyte drive in there and, and put all my my uh, gameplay footage onto there. And I'm going to try to use that as like a, a primary storage for my, my game footage for now. Um, and so I, I knew I was going to have to move everything, which would mess with the project files. So, so I decided to hold off on actually editing that thing. And then I wanted to start it this weekend, but I want to focus on Shining Resonance. So I haven't made a lot of uh, uh, progress on that yet, but that's that's kind of my next short-term goal is to get that pickups video edited, put together, and and then out the door. Um, so hopefully you'll see that. Uh, I don't think you'll see it this week, but maybe sometime next week as well. Um, in terms of what's up next, uh, like I said, I'm not guaranteeing anything's going to be coming out next month, but, but my short-term focus is uh, once I finish up all this Shining Resonance stuff, I need to move on to the last story. Uh, I already played through the last story, but I want to do a podcast uh, with some people on it. So basically looking into to getting that done and and uh, or getting that outlined so I can do a, a, a podcast on the last story. And hopefully that will be a good time. I feel like this is a weirdly stilted episode for some reason. I don't know why, but we're here. We're at the end of the show. Thank you for coming. OneControllerReport.com is the website. I talked about all the stream stuff already, so you can look at that if you want to. Uh, I stream every Thursday at 7 o'clock Pacific time, unless uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time, I guess it's just specify, uh, unless I have internet issues. And then if I have internet issues, you can find the, the stream, like a replacement, like offline recording of the stream, go up on Friday or, or Saturday probably. That, that would be when I expect to get it done if I, if I were to do it that way. So... Yeah, and that's kind of the short-term plan. But uh, if you haven't yet, you know, go ahead and check out, um, you know, some of the stuff I've done uh, in the last few months. Stuff like the Chibi Robo research video, if you haven't done that, uh, as well as the PCFX podcast. Uh, I wish I can get a review done sooner rather than later. I, I still got to work on the Wizard of Oz one. That's definitely the next um, review. But until I get my microphone back, I'm not going to be able to record any audio for that. Um, so it's a little bit on hold, but there's still things I can still work on it with it. So, so I'll let you know on the microphone situation and, and give you some updates on that. But, but yeah, so it's going to be kind of a weird few months, probably, uh, maybe just a weird end of the year in general, in terms of trying to get videos out and, and podcasts and stuff as I'm trying to pay more attention to my own well-being rather than the site's well-being. <laughs> the same lesson I seem like I have to learn every year once we get around June. I'm like, oh no, I can't keep up this one one video a month thing, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, thanks for coming. Walkshore.com's website. Hope you have a great week. Bye!